0: Welcome. I am so glad that you're here. If uh, I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. I want to welcome everybody here at our Bellingham campus. We want to welcome those who are watching at our Ferndale campus and those who are watching online. Last week we welcomed a very special group who watch every week from the nation of Egypt. This week we'd like to welcome a group of people who watch every week from the country of Indonesia. We are glad that you are here. Welcome to Christ the King. We're glad that you're here. Awesome. A couple of brief announcements as we get started. We've been working on this project to finish the Africa Children's Home. The good news is we've already received almost $39,000 towards the particular project, and uh, that's fantastic. The blue envelopes are available at the back at the Bellingham campus. They're also available at the Ferndale campus. If you'd like to be a part of that, our goal is $50,000 so that we can finish that particular home. We've got about 50 kids that are waiting for a house, and we'd love to be able to put them in that house. This fall, when our Africa team is there, we'll leave that to your good conscience and prayers. If you're one of the intercessors at Christ the King and you provide a, a prayer covering over CTK... We're going to be having a prayer gathering next Sunday at the Bellingham campus. We'd invite you to come and to be a part of that. We just love our prayer warriors here at Christ the King. We'd like to spend some time together praying about the next chapters as well. Well, we've been doing this series called Big Words. Each of the words that we've unpacked over the last couple of weeks has given us a glimpse into the heart of God, I, I hope that they've just kind of opened your, your understanding and your heart to see just a little bit more of who God is. Let's just review the words that well, we've touched on so far. I believe they're so unbelievably important. The first week, the big word was salvation. And the words that, that we attached to that was a simple two-word description. We said, Jesus saves. That's the heart of God towards each and every one of us. Then we jumped into the big word, propitiation. I would characterize that into two words, that Jesus takes, that Jesus took the wrath of God and averted it so that we didn't have to face the pure, holy fury of heaven. Instead, Jesus took that for us. Last week, we looked at the big word redemption. I would would use these words, that Jesus pays, that he paid the ransom so that we could be set free from sin. And this week, we're going to look at another word. It's the word justification. Justification. And I would attach this little two-word description to it. I would say when it comes to justification, we would describe it as Jesus stands. We're going to cover that one this weekend. As we have explored over the last couple of weeks, every single one of us has has made mistakes. We've talked about the fact that every one of us has has sinned. And there was that time when when we just kind of stretched the truth a little bit. Or there was that time when when, when we stuck our hand into into a till or into the office of somebody and we took something that that didn't belong to us. Or maybe there was that moment when everybody was kind of picking on that one person in the office and instead of being godly and holy and and possibly walking away or even speaking about it, instead we just kind of dogpiled on and, and made sure that everybody knew that we disapproved of that person as well. Or maybe there was that moment when we just chose to do absolutely nothing. And in doing nothing, we sinned because Scripture says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. Maybe there was that moment when we had an opportunity to do the right thing, but instead we just decided that we were going to compromise because it wasn't that big of a deal. And Maybe there was that moment when we, we stepped across righteous anger and we just got plain angry and and, and somebody paid because because we, we just couldn't get a, get a handle on it. Or, or maybe there was that moment, maybe last night, when we just decided to kind of do our own thing and hand over control to something inside of a bottle and, and, and we did something that we knew we weren't supposed to do because that's what Scripture says. And, or maybe there was just that moment when, when we decided that, that somebody needed to pay and so we used our words in order to, to kind of take them out and, and we just decided we were going to slander them. The enemy loves to label us. And the truth is, we live with the shame of these labels. That There are times when we know God forgives us, but we just struggle to forgive ourselves. And so we become known by our sins, lie, theft, gossip, apathy, compromise, anger, slander, drunk, whatever it happens to be. And we look at ourselves with a fair amount of disdain and shame. I'd like to ask a different question, though. Maybe it's not about how you look at yourself. Let's look at this crucial question. How do you believe God sees you? I know we often see ourselves this way by our past failures, but how do you believe God sees you? I told you in the second week of our series that that I grew up thinking that God was either sad or mad when he looked at me. I believed that that, that he was either constantly angry at my failures or or perpetually disappointed in me because I just never seemed to measure up. I thought that when God looked at me that his reaction was either kind of a raised eyebrow or kind of a turned up nose or at the very worst just kind of a slow head shake and a sigh. You know, belief is a powerful thing Out of my belief that God was either sad or mad, I formed my concept of God. And what that did was, it just kind of twisted my understanding of who He was. Instead of kind of laboring throughout the entire time, I'm actually going to give you the punchline of the message up front. I'm going to tell you the truth about how God sees you, and then we're going to go into Scripture and figure out just why that's true. So let me tell you the punchline. God does not see me as a miserable failure because when he looks at me, he doesn't see me or my failure. He sees my Savior and his perfection. God looks at me with love, acceptance, forgiveness, and hope. He doesn't see me as, and, and, and doesn't take the position of being sad or mad. Now, here's the tough part where everybody gets tripped up. I'm a mess and so are you. If you think you're not a mess, we've got a class in denial that we would love for you to take at some point. It will help. And because I know that I'm messed up, I mean, my question is fairly logical. How can a perfectly holy God look at me with love and acceptance when this is my reality? I mean, my question is this. Is God in denial? I mean, if this is me, is God in denial? I mean, I was in line to buy groceries this past week, and in front of me were some children, and they were out of control. They were screaming, crying, fighting, swearing. One little kid, little kid, saw me watching them, he flipped me off. I wanted to lose my salvation and bring some righteous judgment on his cheeky little backside. I mean seriously, someone needed to do it. Now what freaked me out was this. The mom, completely oblivious to what was going on, at one point looked at me, no word of a lie, and said this, aren't they cute? No <laughs> they're not cute they're evil in this moment can't you see it everybody else can see it i mean i'm looking at that and i'm thinking to myself is god like that is god in denial about our sin come on christ the king it's not it's not a trick question okay the answer is no He can look at me. And the reason He can look at me and know exactly who I am and how I am and still look at me with love and acceptance is because of the big word of this week. It's justification. This is a tough one. We're going to have to work really hard to get the truth of this one. I would define justification this way. It's the act in which messed up sinners are made right in the sight of a perfect and holy God. It's the act in which messed up sinners, all of this stuff, is made right in the sight of a perfect and holy God. Justification is a powerful word. But here are the benefits. I mean, if we get it, if we get justification, I can understand who I am in God's sight. If I get it, I no longer have to be a victim of my own sinful behaviors. If I get it, I'm going to choose to live differently because of my position in God's eyes. Romans 3 has been the anchor text for this entire series. It says this, For all have sin, here it is, and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. When I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, some amazing things happened to my soul. In that moment, I was forgiven and washed as white as snow. In that moment, Jesus took the punishment for my sin and became my substitute. In that moment, the wrath of God was taken by him and he paid the debt of sin I owed and he paid it in full. And in that moment, I was justified. I was made right with God. I was cleared of any guilt and declared as righteous and holy, not based on my track record, but on the perfect life and sacrifice of my Savior, Jesus Christ. In that moment, God chose to look at me through the sinless perfection of His Son. In that moment, He did not see me as a failure or as a condemned sinner, but instead as a dearly loved child of God, standing with Jesus whom He loves. That is unbelievably good news if you're saved. The fact that God chooses to see me that way. What an unbelievable gift. What a humbling gift. We need to understand this standing. Because I'm going to tell you something. It can change the way we live our lives. I mean, justification, it's a huge deal. If you look back in history, this is the doctrine that split the Catholic and the Protestant church. John Calvin said this, he said justification was the principle of the whole doctrine of salvation and is the foundation for all of religion. That's a very big deal. Martin Luther said the doctrine of justification is the issue on which a church stands or falls and that any church denying justification by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, can no longer even be called Christian. This is the whopper. This is a big, big deal. And here's what Scripture teaches us that we need to know. We need to know this. We've been justified by grace alone. By grace alone. I'm going to try to make this brief and succinct. When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you were acquitted of the sins That should have sent you to hell. And instead you were pardoned and set free. Bonus for you and for me. If you know Jesus. Your pardon was based on God's crazy love for you. A love that took his son to the cross. We've been justified by grace alone. Titus 3 says this. Starting in verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Let me put it to you this way, Christ the King, Bellingham, Ferndale, it doesn't matter. In your sin, in my sin, we were toast, burnt toast, if you really want to understand. And then God saved us. And it means this, as much as this may stretch your brain, nothing you've ever done, both positive and negative, or anything you're ever going to do, both positive and negative, can change the fact that God's Grace made this available to you. It was by grace alone that you were given standing before God as a rightful heir with the hope of eternal life. It's God's amazing gift to you. I've got a friend who lives in Canada who has done some horrific things in his life. He was a career criminal. And then Jesus happened. He has spent the last decade of his life requesting a pardon. He has testified in front of court after court after court saying, that is who I once was, but that's not who I am any longer because of a man named Jesus who set me free. And now I'm asking that you will see who I am now and that you'll grant me a pardon. I love God's timing because last week my phone rang and I picked it up and all I heard was a shaking voice on the other end of a phone and these were the words he read to me. He said, whereas we have since been implored on behalf of the said guilty party to extend a pardon to him in respect to the convictions against him. And whereas the Solicitor General here submitted a report to us, now know ye therefore having taken taking all of these things into consideration that we are willing to extend a royal clemency to him. We have pardoned, remitted, and released him of every penalty to which he was liable in pursuance thereof. That's fancy language to say this. Your record has been wiped clean. There are no more marks. You no longer have to check a box when you go across the line. You are free as if you had never sinned in the first place. In that moment of grace, my friend, was released from any public punishment for the crimes, and the record of the crimes themselves was completely erased. That is the kind of pardon we have in Jesus Christ. We've been set free from any penalty or punishment. When asked about our record, Jesus will say, He has no record. He has been pardoned by the blood that I shed on the cross. He is clean. By grace alone. That's awesome. Secondly, justification is through faith alone. So by grace alone, through faith alone. Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of the Lord. Okay, now you're going to need to stick with me as we walk through this, okay? The only way to be justified is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is where it gets really tough for people, because all over the world, people think this they think me and the big guy upstairs, we're cool, we're good we're good. I'm a nice person. That counts for something. I'm not as bad as anybody else. I'm a good person. Me and God, we're good. We're completely good. Here is essentially what is happening when we say that. We're trying to justify ourselves. Let me ask you a question. How do we justify ourselves? I'm going to give you three ways that we do it all the time, okay? Number one is this. We justify ourselves when we measure ourselves by our own standard okay? It's the world's most famous lie for Christians. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Are you sure you're fine? God laid out a law in Scripture. It's found in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is filled with God's righteous standard. Here's the problem with all of God's law. We can't keep it. We're not that good. It's too hard. Now, some of us are going, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Really? Let's just review the top 10 and see how we've done so far. Want to see how bad it is? Here we go. Have you ever lied? (coughs) Have you ever taken something that did not belong to you? Anything at all? (coughs) (coughs) Have you ever used God's name as a curse word? Come on right? Have you ever disrespected your parents? Ever? (laughs) Right? You haven't kept God's standard. If you need to feel a whole lot better, I was out at number one, all right? I didn't even have to go through the rest of them. But what do we do? We measure ourselves by our own standard. We just say, This is where the good line is, and I'm going to put myself over top of the good line. Really? Since when do you get to write where the good line is? Number two, if we don't measure ourselves by our own standard, we measure ourselves against the actions of others. Anybody remember back to a boxer by the name of Mike Tyson who got in all kinds of trouble when he bit Evander Holyfield's ear? Kind of gross, right? Right? When Mike Tyson was applying to get his boxing license back after that whole ear-biting thing, he put this on his application, and I quote, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm not Charles Manson either. Now, before you get all self-righteous, let's just admit that we all do this. At least I'm not as bad as that guy. Man, did you see what that guy did? Oh, my goodness. I have to be better than that guy. And that's got to count for something. Since when is another sinful human being the standard? My friends, Jesus is the standard and he was perfect. He kept the law perfectly. Measure yourself against the right standard and you might just find yourself in need of a little justification. How about number three? We measure ourselves by our own standard. We measure ourselves against the actions of others. And number three, some of us, we just work really, really hard to gain God's approval. We work hard. We do all of the right things. We pay our bills on time. We don't cut anybody off on the guide. We let people go ahead of us, even in the express line when we're looking for groceries, even though they're sinning with 12 items when it says you're supposed to have less than 11. I mean, we do all of the right things. We do them very, very well. Right? Right? Here's the problem with that. We do all the right things for all of the wrong reasons, thinking that we're going to get God's approval. We basically stand on the side of the, the, the world and just say, look at me, God. Look at me, God. Look at all of the good things that I've done. And they don't mean anything because that doesn't bring about justification. That just really ticked a whole bunch of you off say like, come on doesn't count for anything not according to our bible justification comes through faith alone we believe that we stood guilty before God as our judge. And when the sentence was coming down, Jesus paid the penalty of sin and set us free. Works didn't do it. Good theology didn't do it. Carrying a 12-pound Bible didn't do it. Faith in Jesus gave us our right standing before God. Period. That's what the Word says. Finally, justification takes place because of Jesus alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, and because of Jesus alone. Romans 4:25 says this, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This was a huge part of it. Jesus died so that God would see me differently. So that God would see you differently. Not as a condemned sinner, but as a child of the Most High God. As one of the focal points, one of the reasons why Jesus came. Galatians 2 says this. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law. There it is right there. Can't work your way into it. But by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Doesn't say in works, doesn't say for your grocery list Christianity, in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. That makes it pretty clear. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does this mean that Christ promotes sin Absolutely not. I'm going to touch on that in a moment. Because of Jesus, I can stand before God, acquitted, forgiven, clean, accepted, loved with my account, paid in full, and declared to be one of the cherished ones. Now we need to understand that it hasn't always been that way. At one time, Scripture describes all of us as depraved, sinful, an enemy of God, hostile, and spiritually dead. All of this stuff. But now, because we have been justified by grace, alone, through faith, alone, and because of Jesus Alone, It means we have been justified, and God sees us now as holy, righteous, spiritually alive, and as a friend of the living and most high God. Some of you look at that and say, I don't get it. Maybe it's not to get. Maybe it's to receive. It doesn't matter how you look at yourself. God says He sees you different. And if God sees you different, whose vision do you think is correct? There's a beautiful story in Scripture that lays out justification for us. It might surprise you, but here it comes to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and give one-tenth of all I get. Bully for you, right? The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, That this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, made right. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The humble sinner went home justified. You know why? Because he asked for God's grace, and he got it. Because he believed in faith that God would give it, and he got it. Because he looked to a Savior, and when God in His holiness looked at him, he saw Jesus, who had paid the account In full. C.J. Mahaney says it this way. I love this little line. He said, the gospel says, God accepts you just as Christ is. Try wrapping your heart around that one. God accepts you just as Christ is. That means this because of Jesus, I've been justified. It works like this I stand before God as one condemned. I come to Jesus as my Savior. I'm placed behind His good and finished work. And when God looks at me, He sees Jesus who says, He is mine. My rightness before God and my relationship with God are now his. My perfect life paid his price, and that makes him justified. He has a right standing before God. My old Romans professor, Dr. George Block, God bless his heart. One day in class, opened to Romans chapter 5, he read it to us from beginning to end, and then he sang a little song. The song said, I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus, and he lives in me. What a joy it is to know my heavenly Father loves me so and gives to me my Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees. justification. Some of you still haven't got it. I'll show you another way. You want to know the real me? There you go. Wish it was different, but this is both my reality and my truth according to who I once was. Because of what he did, I'm justified. It's just as if I never sinned. It's just as if I'd never sinned. He sees the perfection of his son, which means he welcomes me out of the shadow and into the light, which means I'm not known for that stuff because that's been dealt with once and for all. It's been wiped away. It doesn't exist. My record has been expunged. I'm no longer known for who I once was. I'm known for who I am now because I have been justified by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus Christ alone. And if you know him tonight, it means this. You have been justified. He sees you, whether you are or whether you're feeling it or whether you're not feeling it, he sees you as one of his perfectly designed children. Children of God. The old is gone. The new has come. Because you have been justified. So what does it mean? It means this week I will stand as one who is known as justified. That I will live to the high calling as one of the justified ones. That I am a holy, righteous priest in God's family. And that I will live to the level of my Jesus. Knowing I can't attain to the law. Here's the coolest thing about the law. I don't need to get over top of it. Jesus already went there. He already went there. And now I stand in front of him, confident as one who has been justified and made right with God. That's good news. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you for really big words. Lord, I pray against the whispers in our minds and our hearts that say that's good for everybody else in the room, but not for me. I pray, Jesus, over those who are named of God that they would see themselves as justified the truth of who they are in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those who may feel like the grocery list of sins and labels on them. God, I pray that they would give themselves to Jesus in this moment so that they can be justified and wiped clean. Father, thank you for washing us white as snow. May we live to who God says we are this week, justified, dearly loved, clean, joint heirs with Jesus. And we give you all glory and all praise As the one through whom we have been justified. And the forgiven people of God agreed together. And said. Amen. And amen.